We've never wavered from that vision. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourself and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted. It really is a revolution. Welcome to the Hustle System Podcast, where I take the time to break down the patterns of success and failure for some of my favorite people in the business space. Uh, today, we have AJ Harbinger and Johnny Zubak. Is that how you say it? Is the Z kind of a silent Z? Nailed it. Nailed it. Awesome. Uh, the A is a little bit more uh, just uh, straight up, so it's Zubak. Zubak. Okay. Where, what, uh, where is that from? It's a mix of Slav nations. Slav, Polish, rockin', love it. Uh, the guys, you will know them as the Art of Charm. Huge fan of your work, guys. Uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much Thanks. for uh, hopping on. So uh, the thing I want to kick this off with is actually just shameless pitch right out the bat, right out the bat, because uh, a lot of the guys that know me know me from um, Real Social Dynamics. We used to do a lot of you know, uh, infield coaching, social dynamics type of work. You guys do a lot of that type of stuff. One thing I found you guys uh, that's really fascinating is you've taken that into the corporate culture and expanded about it. So can you guys maybe chat a little bit about what are some of the things that you see when it comes to creating a great culture and organization from the beginning? If you were to like start from scratch, you were to, you, you got a baby company, you got a little seed, you plant the seed. What are some of those principles that you impart uh, right off the bat? Well, I think number one, you need to have a vision. And of course, that vision has to be grand so that people can buy into it and get excited about it. And of course, if you don't have a vision, it's a rudderless ship. And if it's a rudderless ship, everyone's going to be rowing in opposite directions. So, you know, in the last 13 years in building the team, of course, we've had a, a lot of great members of the team come and go. The most important thing is to get everyone excited to be rowing in the right direction and rowing together. And the other thing that we've noticed, uh, especially working with millennials and, and youngsters is in general, people want to be in an environment where they're able to learn and where they're able to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and not be judged over critically or harshly for those mistakes. So creating an environment that is moving fast, breaking things, learning along the way and supportive when things are breaking has been huge for our success over the last 13 years. I think another strong thing when it comes to the culture here or in, 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 in anywhere, uh, it's always going to go top down. So everyone's going to look at the hierarchy and, um, and the, the people at the top need to operate in a means of which they want everyone else to operate in. And that's extremely difficult. There's a lot of habit building that needs to be put in place in order for you to be able to do that. But, uh, from leading yourself, it goes, it trickles down to everybody else and they're all going to take suit. And the thing about it is, is that you're leading, you have no choice. There is no choice uh, when it comes to leading, you're leading. And so no matter where you are and who you're around, there's going to be influence that is coming off of others or coming off of you. And you need to be aware of it and you need to be aware of what you're putting out as well. And, and, and it is difficult. I catch myself all the time wanting to be better, especially for the young guys here at AOC. And 
with the trials of everyday operations, sometimes that can be difficult. And sometimes I have to make that call of, hey, sorry, I was a bit of a pain in the ass today. I can get grumpy. And they usually get, oh, oh, I know. But uh, on top of that, it's, it's the, me to apologize and let them know that I'm, I'm doing my best and I'm going to try to be better. Awesome. Yeah, I always say two words that could save millions of businesses and millions of dollars are thank you and sorry. And it's, uh, it's rare how people will, are shy away from being vulnerable in those ways where there's always a little bit of a mask. Um, what I'd love to hear is if each of you have like a, a particular habit or a set of habits that you guys use to hold yourselves accountable to your own principles, uh, because as an entrepreneur, right, we're all kind of at the mercy of our own psychology. If, if we have a bad day, my team has a bad day. I try and not let it spill over, but sometimes we can't help it. You know, um, so what are some of the things that you guys do in your own lives to say, hey, this is what I stand for. This is how I live my life. And I'm going to revert back to that. Well, I, th I think the, the big thing going back to what Johnny was saying is building up habits so that you have the discipline that those really bad days don't shake you and you're not at the mercy of your emotions. So for us, you know, what we've talked about on the show over the last couple of years is setting up a daily routine that involves exercise in the morning. First thing that you do, clear your mind, get in the gym, get it done, and then everything else starts to fall in place from there. So, and we obviously we've interviewed a ton of successful people over the years and they all talk about a morning routine and an evening routine to bookend their day so that it allows you to start fresh, not carry things over, and of course, set you up for success. Uh, and the other thing, you know, obviously looking at Johnny, looking at me, we have an accountability buddy in our business partnership here where we call each other out when we're falling astray, when we're off uh, of our values, when we're not living up to our potential and when we know that we could do better and we both count on each other to keep us in line there. Now, for a lot of youngsters starting out who maybe don't have a business partner, you know, finding a mentor or a business coach, uh, finding someone who can act as that accountability partner and also act as that place to vent and, and let off some steam and allow the frustrations to leave your mind. I know it can be very difficult when you're going at this alone uh, and you have a bunch of team members looking up to you and wanting to follow your lead, but you don't know what the next step is. You don't know how to solve that problem. And unfortunately, that can lead the frustration of boiling over and impacting your team. One of the things you mentioned of being, I, I, get, I think of the words that you used, and correct me if I'm wrong, was captive of your own psychology. Yeah, absolutely. So, and um, in, in something that I was going back to earlier, of always trying to be better, there was a, a, a new book that I had just finished for a guest that we're going to be interviewing in the future. His name's Kevin Cruz. It's a leadership book. And at this point, I, I can't even count how many leadership books I've read. Uh, but, you know, when you find those couple new little gems and get to implement them and see some change, it's, it's really exciting. And the, the thing that has helped me now with the habit of having a morning ritual and an evening ritual is in between that, is what he calls the three C's, create, collaborate, and connect. And so breaking up your day in those three parts, where I know that I am the most creative and I get the most done in the morning, so that is create. I know that in the afternoon, I'm, I have more opportunity to be settled in my accomplishments earlier, so now it's an opportunity to, to collaborate. So scheduling meetings, any calls, any things that I have going on, where I have to work with other people. And lastly, at the end of the day, that is personal time for me to connect with others. And I have implemented that uh, at the beginning of last week 
uh, and already I have felt better. I've been more productive and I have a better grip of what my day looks like. And it is, it's been, it's been a lot of fun actually. So, you know, always trying to implement and to, to, to get better. That's super cool. That, that's a great approach. I'm a little bit jealous that you guys have a business partner. My business partner is a little bit quiet. <laughs> Got this panda here. It's just like a stuffed panda. I'm like, panda, what do I do? And, and it, it looks at me like it definitely for sure does not know what to do, which is, which is great. You know, at least you know that the panda doesn't know. So uh, that's a blast. I love that three C's, the create, collaborate, and connect. Um, I'm going to try applying that for a bit. And you mentioned you just started that very recently. So that's a very cool thing because it's very top of mind for you. Um, yeah. And uh, it works out well. Awesome. Uh, so I love hearing about those rituals. And then you mentioned a little bit about, you know, um, successes in the past. And you also mentioned mentors. Uh, who are your guys' mentors? Well, I think, you know, in the very beginning of all of this, we were creating a coaching company from scratch and a podcast. And there weren't very many podcasters at that time. So it was sort of hard for us to find a mentor. We were trying to carve our own path. And a lot of times we kind of wore that as like a badge of honor, like, oh, we don't need a mentor because we're doing something completely different from everyone else. And over the last 13 years, I realized that every business has the same problems. It doesn't matter if you think you have some unique uh, proposition or some unique company, you're going to run into the same problems when you don't have the right systems in place. And of course, you don't have the right uh, vision for the future. So, um, you know, I've looked for mentors in my networking. So I've looked at people who've been a few rungs ahead of me, asked great questions, followed up with them on my results. And over time, those relationships turned into mentorship opportunities. And it's something that we talk about on the podcast, you know, most of my mentorship has not come in a very classic, like, I'm going to mentor you. Great. Now let's be mentored. Instead, it's been taking the bits of advice from the, the wiser people around me, the elders who've already carved that path, who've reached 10x of where I want to be, implementing it in the business, and then reaching back out and celebrating the win or letting them know, hey, this didn't work, but what are your thoughts on this? And what I've found is that really successful people they're wired to help support other people as long as you're willing to put in the effort and energy and, and prove that they're going to get results. Um, so having that feedback loop, and I've been able to turn multiple relationships in my life into a mentor-mentee relationship from people I just met in passing networking. And then in the last couple of years, uh, obviously going through a big business transition, losing a business partner, wanting to get more physically healthy, I started looking at mentorship not just in that capacity, but also just getting a, an actual business coach. So I was referred a business coach through a buddy of mine who was getting great results working with him and started working with the business coach and of course found that to be a, a fantastic uh, avenue for mentorship. And you know, he's a guy who's built a massive agency uh, in the marketing space, not anything related to coaching, not anything related to podcasting, but all of those lessons, all those systems that he's been able to put in place to allow him to scale they're all relevant to us and what we're doing. And it's been awesome to have sessions with him, open up his binder and pull out uh, a very simple SOP and be like, hey, this cannot work in your business. And sure enough, it does. So, you know, I, I've used both strategies, whether it's just seeking a coach and paying for the coach or also in my network or going out networking, doing business development, turning those relationships into mentorship uh, opportunities. And both have been fantastic. And then the last one, you know, as we talk about on the show, getting a personal trainer to work on our physical uh, abilities and, of course, build out the habits necessary to bookend our day uh, has been really beneficial. Awesome. How's your guys' dynamic um, internally? Is one of you guys more the creative one and then the other one does like the operations? 
Aha, aha. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's always a split. It's very rarely like a 50-50 split. I find that the, um, the synergy that you guys have is amazing because you guys have been doing this so consistently. And uh, maybe that's something we can, uh, we can touch on is, is consistency. You know, um, I would think if we were more alike, we'd probably end up killing each other. So the fact that we're <laughs> so different in so many ways, but yet have uh, our ethics and what we want to accomplish is pretty much aligned. We can get through a lot of anything that upsets us or is friction or that just doesn't vibe with each other. Right. Totally. And I have to feel going back to the earlier point, you know, running a business is all about learning. You're learning constantly. Anytime you stop learning and running a business, you're, you're going to stagnate and you're going to struggle. And, you know, over the last 13 years, what was working from a marketing standpoint 13 years ago doesn't work anymore. What was working on YouTube doesn't work anymore. Podcasts, like everything is evolving and changing. The audience expectations are changing. The content in the coaching has to change to fit with the lifestyle that our clients are looking for. So, you know, part of it is, yes, our personalities are different. We have different strengths and weaknesses, but it's exactly that. The willing to learn, the ability to hold ourselves accountable and be like, hey, I screwed up. I dropped the ball on this and be open about that and not hide it or sweep it under the rug uh, has built a great culture, but also built a great partnership and uh, friendship. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear up. It's so beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, I I love it. That is uh, that is awesome. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. What I actually want to kind of expand on a little bit is you mentioned uh, surrounding yourself with great mentors, surrounding yourself with great people. I think one of the challenges that a lot of newer entrepreneurs face is they kind of have this idea that sounds crazy to everybody, right? You've you've got it in your head. You see it. You know where you're going, and then you you kind of tell somebody, and they're like, "Dude, you're you're completely bonkers." off the chain, insane. Um, and then there's this really difficult decision of, do you keep that person in your life? Um, and then expose yourself to that kind of, you know, I don't want to say negative feedback, but that kind of, uh, you know, limited feedback, let's call it that. Uh, or do you kind of mercilessly cut people out and then only surround yourself with new people? How do you guys go about, uh, say, doing a social circle overhaul, uh, if we were to call it? How would you approach that? You, you know, it's it's... With age, I'm, I'm 46 now, and, and we laugh about this. Um, as I've gotten older, of course, a lot of things change, and certainly my social circles have changed. And I've noticed the friends that I've had maybe in my – well, there's certainly the, the, the guys that I had in my 20s, were, who, which was incredibly different than the, the guys that I had in my life in my 30s. But people – stopped growing at certain points of their life. I hadn't had really anyone who's that close to me for, through so many years, except probably uh, AJ. Um, it, my, my, my regular friends and my musician friends, the art friends that I have, um, they're not really interested in self-development. And, I, and I, I could still hang out with them, but there's so many other facets to my life that I want to continue to grow on. And a lot of times I feel that well, just because they've stopped learning doesn't mean that I'm going to. But I also try, don't try to hold them to the same standard that I have when it comes to learning and some of the things that I'm doing. Um, that's just, I find that that's just not fair. Yeah, yeah I, with that question, it, I would be hesitant to write someone off and cut someone out of my life just because they express doubt in my ideas and my thoughts. I would immediately follow up with why and ask, why is it that you think that's not going to work? And, and really listen intently, not listen to, to fight back and say, oh, well, and argue about it, but really listen to 
what is the perspective? What are they speaking from? Are they speaking from experience? Are they completely pulling this out of left field? Are they doing it just because they want to be negative around me? And typically asking why a couple times and getting to the deeper reasons behind why people are sharing that bit of advice with you, you'll find maybe they just are worried about their own situation and they're projecting that on you that, hey, this is not a safe route for you. You know, perfect example, growing up, uh, my dad tried to start a business with his buddy and it failed, it failed relatively spectacularly. So of course he was very gun shy around me becoming an entrepreneur. He wanted me to get an education. He wanted me to have a very successful career path. And I never really understood why he was like so adamant about it until finally, as I started the business and things were going okay, I asked him like, why were you so against this business? And he, he his answer was, well, this was my experience. And a lot of us, we just, we hear that initial doubt and we're like, okay, cut this person out of my life. And you, you go on Instagram and everyone says, you got to cut out the naysayers and the negative people and block all that out. And I don't fully agree with that because I've had a lot of people disagree with me who then changed my perspective on things, strengthened my idea, brought that experience into play and helped me fix a blind spot that I was walking into not even knowing. Now, in their answer to why, if it's full of, self-doubt, criticism, not based in any sort of science or reason or experience, then yeah, I would start limiting my exposure. But that said, you know, and this is sort of shocking for people, I have a lot of friends who aren't entrepreneurial. I have a lot of friends who have a nine to five job and are totally happy with it and, and don't want anything to do with this hustle and grind. And that's totally fine. And they allow me to vent and I listen to them vent about their lives. And I think it's, it's great to have that outlet too. Uh, and I work with a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching clients who tend to surround themselves with people who only focus on business and it's 24 seven and you experience burnout, you experience tunnel vision, you, you miss out on opportunities to, as Johnny said, to connect, to enrich your life, to bring in outside perspectives. And as we're seeing from Facebook, if you get a steady diet of your own views back to you, you can go far off the reservation and not be in touch with reality anymore. So I like some criticism. I seek out some doubt so that people can help me see things that I may not be seeing. So when you're getting criticized, when people are saying that idea is way out of left field, ask them why and, and ask them why a few times to figure out where they're coming from before writing them off. Yeah, I like to say one perspective. I mean, that's a low resolution picture that you're getting of the problem or whatever you're going through. Uh, and don't... The more diversity of thought, the better you're going to have a glance of that picture. And as our last episode with Brant Pinvidic was all about the pitch, right? And, and being able to pitch your idea in three minutes and, and make it something that people can share with others. If you're pitching your idea and people are like, I don't understand it. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Uh, it may mean, hey, I need to work on my pitch. I need to make it a little more relatable to people. It might be, let's go back to the drawing board and explain this in a, a little bit more straightforward manner as well. So that, that could be some very positive feedback, not writing off negative people. Absolutely. Yeah. And that really is the true mark of, of a great executive is the ability to receive feedback, welcome feedback, um, chase down failure, eliminate blind spots. And uh, those are things that can be very uh, difficult when you first do them because it requires a long, hard look in the mirror. You got to go, wow, I thought I was really good. And yet uh, there's all these things that I'm not that good at. And I have to, you know, either I face this head on, I tackle it, I charge into it, or, um, or I don't even know that it exists. It's those unknown unknowns that will always get you. So I, I think it's phenomenal that you do that. And from, uh, from that podcast, I believe there was a quote. Yeah, you mentioned like simple is the new sexy. 
Was yeah. that what you, I think you guys said that in there. And I think um, this is a great kind of moment to talk a little bit about uh, some of the marketing angles because you, you guys have a, such a great brand. It covers this really wide breadth of topics and does it in such a unique way uh, where, you know, when you're, when you're running a podcast, what, I, what I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm a bit newer to this game than you guys actually, is, you know, we want to have actionable insights, right? So like the three C's, boom, that is awesome. But also I truly believe that a, a great uh, podcast should be an explorative session of introspection for the guest of, hey, what, what is something that we can dig into with you guys that maybe we haven't unearthed yet, that you haven't unearthed in your own life during that time that we can trigger as a, as a positive kind of flowering of a plant uh, during the thing. So maybe if you guys can talk a little bit about how do you guys approach like business, building a great brand, building a great podcast, because I think that really relates to how you interface with people. Um, what, what are some approaches that people can uh, take away from that? Yeah, I think obviously the podcast space, content creation space, everyone is throwing up videos, everyone is creating content and, and a lot of it is not that great, unfortunately. And I think for us, the most important thing is taking our genuine curiosity and trying to learn from every single guest. And, you know, whatever the guests may be coming on the show, of course, their backstory is going to have some interesting moments, but also learning directly from them and asking the questions that impact us personally, uh, you know, tend to impact our listeners and our tribe. And of course, our show is not for everyone. Uh, we have our tribe and if you want to go learn uh, a little bit more about entrepreneurship, there are other shows that do a much better job of that. But for us, really unpacking how to be more social, how to grow your network, how to get your ideas and buy-in across and build better relationships. And what we've seen time and time again is that business is about relationship building. There's no getting around it. In fact, relationships are the shortcut. Whether we talk about a mentor-mentee relationship, whether we talk about a partnership or affiliate, it's all about relationships and your ability to, to create those relationships. So when we talk to our guests, we talk about the same things that we're worried about. You know, we had Jay Shetty on. We talked about self-doubt around creating content. We decided to throw our hat in the ring on YouTube, and there's been plenty of videos that ended up on the cutting room floor because we're like, oh, this isn't good enough. And here we have Jay Shetty on who's gotten, you know, billions of views, and he's like, well, here's how I deal with self-doubt. And here's how I view publishing a video. 70% done and get it out the door. And all of a sudden that unlocks something for us of like, hey, you know what? We've been trying to be perfectionists here and trying to produce Hollywood productions. We're not at that level yet. We got to get it out there, see if the views matter, see if people like it, and then let's make it better on the next go. So having that perspective of curiosity and a genuine interest in, in the perspective that the guest has to offer I think has really helped us on, on creating a compelling show and creating a brand that resonates with some people and, and understanding you're not going to resonate with everybody. And I think that's the split that AJ and I have also comes out in the podcast. So where he's looking at that aspect of the guest, I'm looking at a um, behavioral uh, philosophy sort of kind of thing of how they are running. And so well, I'll take it down that road. And I think, I think that combination lights up a, a lot of people. I love it. Uh, I think that's one of the big reasons why you guys have been able to differentiate, right? We're, we're going to be talking about differentiation a lot. And I truly believe it comes down to this human element. Uh, we're, we're in this phase now of society where I, I think a lot of people don't realize this. The internet has not been around for that long. It's a relatively new 
uh, concoction. And we have all this, you know, like the fact that we're able to do this podcast really is akin to magic. If you were to rewind back like 200 years and tell somebody, yeah, no, this is going to, you know, we're just going to just chat through a, through a magical thing and it's going to be fine. It's going to go through the air and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to have a conversation. Uh, no problem. And I think a lot of people forget that. And what this creates is this mask of illusion for a lot of people where they feel like, like they have this great human essence inside but they feel like in order to be successful on social media, whether that's Instagram or YouTube or uh, ads or, or product releases, they have to be somebody else. And one thing I really like about you guys, you guys are kind of quirky. You guys are kind of like, I can tell you guys are like, have little weird quirks, right? And it's, and, and like you guys channel it. You, instead of shying away from that, you tap into it and you go, you know, I'm, I'm like, like Johnny, you're like, I'm kind of like a rock and roll guy. Like I kind of, you know, could be playing guitar half the time. And I like that. Right. And then uh, AJ, you're a bit more like structured, but you're so passionate about this entrepreneurial space that the dedication really comes through in a lot of the content that you guys do. So if you guys had one tip, you, you mentioned there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people putting out content that's uh, very mediocre. What would be like one tip, like how to cut through or if you have two or three tips, that's also awesome. How do you cut through that noise in the current environment and the environment that we're going to be going into for the next decade here? Your unique perspective is exactly what is going to light up the audience and you trying to be someone else is not going to do that. So you trying to be the next Ty Lopez or the next Lewis Howes or the next Johnny is not going to work. And that is exactly why we run towards these brands that are so clearly themselves. You know, you look at Gary Vee and he's going out garage sailing. Mm -hmm. And that's because he's passionate about it. He's not hiding it. Now, of course, you know, he goes into a boardroom and everyone in the boardroom is probably thinking to themselves, what the hell is this guy doing posting garage sale videos? But that lights him up. You can feel that energy in his video when he makes $70 off a trading card. Now, that's not to say, hey, you need to go start trading cards and, and posting videos about it because it's getting Gary views. The reason it's getting Gary views is because his personality shines through. And listen, we are not pros at that. We're slowly getting more and more comfortable in that realm as well and showing our personalities. It's fun that you, you've noticed a little bit of that quirkiness, but really that, that is the secret sauce. When we look at the influencers that we come back to time and time again, I, I just stumbled on TikTok and, and Charlie, uh, who's blowing up over the last month, 10 million followers, and like she's doing dance moves in her bedroom. But She's really showing her personality. That's what she loves doing. And that's really what's going to start to quarter the market for each and every one of us. Now, you know, when people come and ask us, oh, you must have had this like grand vision to sell coaching programs and, and compete and, and do social dynamics. And really, it started as a hobby of us talking about the things that we cared about. And our audience also cared about that. So the show grew from there. We didn't come in saying, okay, we have this business and now we're just going to go podcast and sell every single episode. Sell, 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 sell. Uh, that's how you burn out. So tapping into your personality and the things that you would talk about, whether someone's paying you or not, uh, are how you're going to harness the power of the internet to get those views and ultimately to get those customers. And, uh, and just to go along with that, I mean, we're learning a lot of this media as well. I mean, no one at the Art of Charm is a Instagram expert or star or or somebody who's a maverick at Twitter, you know, for myself, um, for both of those things today of putting together some videos, it's to promote the podcast. And if I can do it in a way that makes me laugh and I can have fun doing it, well then, then I win. And guess what? 
there's going to be people that it resonates with who will laugh and get a kick out of it as well. And there's going to be a whole ton of people who are going to be like, what is this guy doing? And that's, and that's fine. I mean, that's just been my whole life anyway. So uh, that's just how it's going to have to be. And, and we talked about that yesterday with Matt Como, you know, he puts out video and, and some people are like, Oh, this sucks. And he criticizes. And of course, Anytime you put something out there, there's going to be criticism. It's a part of the game. Okay. So that's actually, I think, very, very important to unpack, right? Because with this, like, social media, you know, system that we're in, like, you you do have the global reach, right? But with that comes this massive level of of criticism. And you guys both kind of, uh, you know, kind of brush that dirt off your shoulder very quickly in in those couple of days. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm very used to it. It's a part of the process. But I think for a lot of people, when they're starting out, it's, it doesn't feel that way. They, they, you know, they, they go and they make their video. I've got a lot of my mentoring students that face this challenge where they'll go, they'll create this video and it's a lot of work for them. They're learning how to edit it and then they put it out and you know, they get very few views and they're like, okay, you know what? All right, I'm going to, I'm going to recollect. I'm going to do this again. And then they do it and they get like one, one comment and it's like a negative comment. It's like your audio is terrible or like fix your lighting. And they, they, they just, give up. So uh, what is maybe a little tip that you guys use? I understand you guys are OGs. You've gotten kind of used to it, but if you can rewind back. Yeah, um, absolutely. And here's the thing when you're young and, and I always look, so every time I'm putting something together like this, it's always coming from a music background because that was my career path before uh, getting involved here. And, and you always you as a musician or and as an any artist you're going to start you're going to start out emulating other people and that'll at least get you to come up with material to get you to come up with with something that you can then present and then go from there and a lot of people are going to say oh i see that's the whole eddie van halen thing that you're doing there or or, or whatnot to date myself with a reference (laughs) um but but that's fine if you continue doing that eventually you will you will let go of those training wheels of at trying to emulate other people and you'll become yourself and and the the people that you emulated will will then become part of what you do and so there's always going to be that piece that people can draw back to and so uh, to give you another reference of another van halen reference and i always held this very dear to my heart david lee ross said if you if you take from one artist, that's plagiarism. But if you take from everybody, that's inspiration. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to emulate and work off of different people, we all have many different artists and comedians and, uh, and, and social media influencers that we like. And it's important to investigate and experiment with all those until you find what resonates with you and you'll 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 start to slowly out of that build your own brand however that has to come from emulating other people okay so aj if you can impact this a little bit more actually because i I love this a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're actually going to be a little bit uh, conflicted right they're going to be like well aj says don't be the next ty lopez and then emulate so i'm I'm a musician also represent you know i got my trouble club tattoos so uh, I love it, man. I'm a, I love that space. And I actually totally agree. I'm a huge like Tom York fan. So all my like yeah. stuff sounds like Radiohead and all the stuff. Uh, but I, I also agree with AJ. So, so how do you go about like this emulation versus innovation uh, sweet spot? Because I actually, I think both are accurate. And uh, there's a great book, The Self-Made Billionaire Effect, 
that says, hey, uh, you know, to become uh, very wealthy, you have to be able to hold two polar opposite ideas in your mind at the same time. And this is actually one of those cases yep. uh, that I think is fascinating. So AJ, can you maybe unpack that a little bit more? How do you go about emulation versus innovation? How do you approach that? Yeah, well, number one, you have to emulate because the emulation is what inspired you to do it in the first place. No one is waking up tomorrow having a lightning strike idea from the skies. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. You start a YouTube channel, you start a podcast because you listen to someone, you watch someone, you're like, I want to do that. That looks fun. That looks awesome. So you're never going to get over the emulation part. There's always going to be a, a part of it that's emulation. My point earlier that I was trying to make is we lose the plot when we try to emulate every single last detail and go so far outside of our own personality and who we are to try to be the next Ty Lopez. Our sweet spot of genius is understanding, yes, what is getting views? What is getting people interested? Looking at what topics other people are talking about and the perspective they're bringing and then doing exactly what Jump Cut talks about, remixing it and bringing your own flavor and your own personality to it so that you're always talking from your experience. You're not talking from a pretend experience of someone else, but you're talking from your own experience. And that's how you can keep those two polar opposite ideas in balance. And everything in life, I hate to put on my biology hat, but everything in life is about balance. If you go way too far in either pole, your body's going to fight it. Your body wants to be in stasis. So it's understanding that everything is a balance. And of course, if you're thinking, oh man, I'm getting, I'm getting hate on my lighting. I'm getting hate on my views. Go watch Gary V's first video. Go watch Jay Shetty's first video. Go listen to our first podcast and you will see us with crappy audio, crappy lighting, but we put out the second video, we put out the third video, and that's what stops most people. They get that first bit of criticism and they stop producing. You should never tune it out completely because the audience is offering you some value, and certainly if there's multiple people saying, hey, you know, the audio is crummy, then yes, we're gonna wanna invest in some better audio. But never taking one data point as gospel and then giving up. And I think every single person that I've ever talked to as a content creator who's been through the process of building out their brand can tell you that there are videos that they were so excited to put out podcasts that they thought yeah. were going to change everything that were a complete dud were a complete flop that nobody responded to that nobody felt the same way. But guess what? They hit record again, they hit publish again. And that's the difference between the people we aspire to and those of us who are struggling to put out our content and, and something else criticism is that somebody watched your video so regardless of what they said you got a view and when we're talking about this and when we're talking about social media and what we're creating all this stuff isn't it to get people's attention in the right. first place so whether or not how they received it is not important it's that they received it it's that they watched it it's they they saw it they sat through it that's a win that's huge. That's huge. I, mean, that's like the, I, I remember. I'm, I'm like hyped up. I'm like, yes, let's go. I, mean, I, I remember the Howard Stern movie came out and one of, the, one of my favorite memories from that movie was him gloating about all the haters and yeah. the hate mail because guess what? They were still listening. They, in fact, he said they listened more intently than the people who loved him. And that's something that, you know, as we continue to move forward podcasts, we have to keep in keep in mind and it's hard you know we get we get letters all the time oh johnny said a 
Uh, you know, he said the word fuck, and now I'm, I might unsubscribe to you guys if this is the direction you're going to go. Like, direct, what? what? Okay. <laughs> now, now my kid's crying in a corner. He's very sad. Totally. Uh, what's, um, you guys mentioned that. So I actually want to unpack that more. Like, you guys mentioned there's always challenges. Are you guys been doing this? For, like, you guys are awesome. You've been doing it forever. You guys still have challenges. What's the what's the big challenge you guys currently have? That like what's that thing? I call it um, I call it the dark forest. So uh, there's this concept that we have where most of your life you're in the pleasant meadow, right? You wake up, you know, you you do your thing, and then you know you you do your work, and then da, 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 but then off to the side there's this dark forest, and it's scary. It's like that big dream. It's you know it's that album. It's that that stage you want to go play on or talk on. It's it's that, that, that movie idea that you always had. Um, so what's that dark forest uh, for you? Because most of the time we're kind of going about doing the thing, but then there's always that, you know, that B-A-G, that big audacious goal, right? Uh, what is that for you guys currently? Well, you know, as Johnny mentioned his age, I'm getting close to 40. And of course, you know, starting in the social dynamics and the dating sphere, it was a ton of fun in my 20s. Uh, definitely enjoyed myself as well as helped a lot of uh, thousands of guys with their own social anxieties in the dating space. But as we talked about at the start of the show, you know, now we're moving into more of a corporate setting. We're moving more into professional skills, especially in the social realm. So for us, that is that dark forest is getting in, in front of a corporation like Google and training up their VPs. And there are certainly people who are doing it. We've sought out some mentors from people who've even come on our show. Uh, to show us the ropes and understand that space. So we're making the transition right now from a B2C company to potentially a B2B company. And that's a totally different sales cycle. It's a totally different marketplace. Uh, it's going to involve us being more active on LinkedIn, a platform that I don't really use very regularly. I was spending you know, most of my time on Instagram and Facebook back in the day. So leveraging new media, of course, as we mentioned, trying to start a YouTube channel and, and trying to get our content to stand out, you know, dealing with the same thing that everyone else is dealing with. We built the business on the podcast. That's been our tent pole. And whenever you try to expand the tent, you need more tent poles. So for us, it's, it's finding those tent poles and, and getting skilled at them, uh, which has its own challenges, but that's what we welcome. That's what we're excited about. That's super cool. Um, okay. So this is a great place to kind of unpack this social dynamics angle a bit more. A lot of the guys that yeah. listen to the podcast will know me from, you know, some other social dynamics uh, organizations, et cetera. And uh, one thing I think you guys have done great is being able to pivot this into an angle that's very, um, this is very nice. It's very, it's very like, it's very enjoyable to engage with. It's uh, still has its power. Um, and that I think is, it, it probably required a lot of finesse when you guys were first making that transition. How do we maintain the power behind the messaging and pivot it from just a quote dating thing? Cause when the average person I think hears quote art of charm, they think, oh, this is going to be a, you know, like, yay, we're so charismatic, you know, get the girl. Da, 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 da. And, uh, you know, as I, as I go through your guys content, it's like, okay, cool. I think as a, as a, as a part of being like a man in his prime you should have some of those principles and communication methods, right? That are fruitful to you being able to get a certain, you know, like a, a certain sense of achievement and not feeling like you're totally isolated from the world, being able to engage with other humans around you. Like it's a, it's a pretty important skill, whether that's, you know, you uh, interfacing with your buddies or you in a, in a boardroom or any other setting. Um, so I'd love to kind of unpack a little bit about um, how you guys went about saying, okay, these were the things that, you know, 20 years ago we did, we did in dating, those worked. Um, and 
what things transfer over and then what things are just totally ludicrous. I know we both probably have a lot of different things on it and a lot of uh, together. Um, so I'll start. I think at least for myself and getting into this, and we just had this conversation last week that when we started, um, that, that was one of like, the, at least for me, the pickup scene was one of the, the very first internet cultures that sort of was able to transcend from just this little internet thing, almost into the mainstream. And some could make an argument that it, it, that it did hit the mainstream with Neil's book and, and everything else and everything that was, and how big it has, has gotten. And we were in, uh, I certainly was inspired by that and, and didn't even, that was my whole entry into online and everything at the time. And however, through that, when you, you start looking at some of these things, it was apparent that in order to, to have a better life, you were going to have to be a better person, no matter what that entailed. And so regardless of the gambits and things that you could do, none of it really mattered if you weren't a solid individual yourself. And so in creating the art of charm, we focus on those things. Now, when the guys came in, there was a lot of pick up talk and, and wanted to have some gambits and some things. And hey, we gave them all they could need. But we also let them know, it doesn't, as much as you feel that you're armed to the teeth with all these bits, you're still going to be in trouble if you don't develop yourself and your communication skills. And of course, you know, once they had seen that, and that had been our message for a very long time, that people naturally gravitated towards what we were doing. And I can even tell you, a lot of the criticism that we had up front was, oh, those guys are boring. They're, all, they're covering just these sort of things. They're just in the self-development. And, and the flashy gambits and, and just wasn't very pronounced with us. However, the market or, and the, the, the people who were looking for uh, that advice slowly found its way to us. I mean, and, and we certainly started the company, I would say, as it was breaking into the means mainstream and and i certainly met a ton of people over the years who were exiting that scene and really felt that they had built up a situational confidence so you put them in a nightclub surround them with bottles and done up women and they do phenomenally they have their gambits they've done it before they have all the experience but i try to take them out to a sports bar to have some drinks with the buddies they're going to clam up. They're not going to say anything. They don't know essentially how to interact in those settings. And I saw that time and time again. And then I actually started to feel it myself. So as the company grew and my dating life became more successful and I enjoyed the social aspect, well, of course, now I'm getting opportunities to go to the Summit Series, a networking event with all these really successful entrepreneurs and guest speakers like Bill Clinton. And I'm in a room with someone who's you know light years ahead of me in terms of charisma and I'm frozen stiff, much like I was when I started the podcast talking about approaching women. And I saw the same thing play out. And then, of course, we start pitching TV shows and we go into the boardroom. And now we got a bunch of TV executives staring at us in suits and they have millions of dollars and I'm intimidated. And it's the same feeling of nervousness that I was having when I was trying to approach that attractive woman in the bar. And what I realized in all of this and all those experiences it comes back down, as Johnny said, to the fundamentals. 
and building up yourself so that you can handle those situations. And that's really what I think has differentiated the art of charm from a lot of those other companies. And the reason that a lot of our clients come to us is because they want the situational confidence in all of those areas, not just with women. They want the situational confidence when they're hanging out with their wives' friends. They want the situational confidence when they have to go into the boardroom and pitch. And they want the situational confidence when they have to tell their boss why they're deserving of that raise. And if you go too focused in one of those areas and dive really deep only in the strategies and the gambits to convince that beautiful woman to date you, you're missing out on all these other opportunities. And guess what? When you have the confidence in those other areas, the beautiful women come, the opportunities come. And that's really when I looked at these events that I was going to and the men that I aspired to be, they had more than just situational confidence. So for us, the foundation of everything we, we're teaching is the science is the same. When, when your body is feeling stress or anxiety, it's going to react in a certain way. And it's understanding those signals and understanding what you can do to prepare yourself for those moments to start taking action that all of a sudden unlocks the social skills you're looking for, the confidence you're looking for, and of course, builds those valuable relationships that, as the Harvard Happiness Study shows, lead to longevity and happiness in our lives. I absolutely love it. And you guys are amazing for bringing this training because it's, it's so underserved, I think, in the modern K-12 through structure, in the standard school structure. Uh, it's fascinating that it's not taught. Um, you, you end up having a lot of people that, you know, or say like a, a computer programmer, I've got dear friends, they're, they're devs, they're making 200, 300,000 a year. Um, but yet they can't pitch their idea. They have a great idea. They even have a great product and they can't even, they can't even pitch it. And so, uh, I love that you guys are, uh, unpacking it. Johnny, I think you had a tidbit. Yeah, this, is, this was, this is something that when we got started in this and of course, my music friends or the, my, the normies that I call them, my reg, you know, the people who weren't into this stuff, when they found out what I was getting into and what I was starting and, and they, their first thoughts were, oh, well, okay, I get it. Some guys, I can't talk to girls and blah, blah, blah. But, but what the rest of the world, the normies weren't seeing was this whole underbelly of, of, misled and misguided and lonely young men who are just being left by the wayside in society with nothing left to influence them except the internet. And when everyone's like, oh, it's a couple nerdy guys that can't talk to girls. Uh, actually, that is the very tip of the iceberg of, of a bigger problem that we're trying to, to service and help out. And now it's starting to get to a point where people are starting to realize it everywhere we have we're having the you know the the the, the shootings and, and a lot of disgruntled kids uh, young men from all walks of life who are feeling stranded one of the people that we interviewed warren farrell of the boy crisis laid it all out and all the research this is this wasn't just this little thing that was happening it was a that was a symptom of a much larger problem. And we talked about this earlier of things like the Art of Charm and any of these other social dynamics companies, more and more people were finding them because they were offering solutions to problems that no one else was were, wanted to talk about. And so, yes, it started with the pickup kits, but then it became everyone else who was just trying to get 
some sort of semblance of what was going on around them and trying to be able to, to connect because their, their only connection had been through the technology that, that, that they've had in front of them growing up that way. And that problem isn't going away and it's getting larger. Yeah, okay. and most people find us because their social skills have let them down, whether it's in their career, it's in their dating life, it's in their social life, having to move to a new town. It's not that uh, they're completely off-putting and they're completely weird or awkward. It's that they want more. They're put in a situation. They want solutions. And they're the type of guys and gals who have the wherewithal to fix themselves, who have the self-awareness to want to improve. So it's, it's always funny because when we talk to people about what we do, their first instinct, as Johnny said, is to sort of categorize, oh, you know, you're helping a certain type of person. But what we've seen is that we live in most Western cultures are in a very individualistic society where we are taught from a young age that if you work really hard on yourself, you focus on uh, getting a great education, you can earn everything you want. All of your goals are attainable through yourself. And unfortunately, although that's the message, that's not the reality. The reality is everything you want is through relationships. The shortcuts to everything are through relationships. And some of us are fortunate enough to be born into situations with those great relationships and kudos to you, congratulations. And some of us, like us, weren't born in those situations, weren't born into a vast network of wealthy people who are ready to fund all of our ideas and just help support us. So in that situation where you have individualism coming in contact with technology, which allows us to stay isolated and not have to leave our house, we're raising a generation of men and women who are lacking in the social skills area. And I remember, you know, even being in college, and we would do group projects where you're supposed to learn how to socialize and collaborate. And what ended up happening is just the one person who was the hardest worker would do all the work. It wasn't actually collaboration. Uh, so yeah, to your point of learning this in school, we're not learning how to connect and socialize and build real relationships. We're learning how to be transactional, how to be goal oriented for selfish reasons and individualistic. And unfortunately, it leads to some dead ends for us. And that's typically how people find the art of charm. One of the other things to go along with that I'm loving, and I could just think back to the last program that we ran, the eclectic group of people was there's medical professionals, there's legal professionals, there's military professionals, and then a couple of kids who want to get better with girls. I mean, if that doesn't present what is actually going out there and, and, and how much this content means to everybody to, to moving forward and building the life that they want for themselves, I, I don't know what does. Okay, so I want, I want to actually impact this even further. This is, this is a f fascinating topic. Um, and I truly believe that the, the biggest disservice that, that actually happens is actually towards women with the current, um, the current rhetoric. So uh, here, here's what kind of we're seeing, right? Being, being a man um, in current society is very, it ends up being very confusing because there, I always say there, there's a big difference, right? Between being confident and being arrogant or being dominant and being imposing. There's such a, a big line, but there's also such a small gray area. And I think, a lot of guys would rather shy on the side of, hey, I'm just going to kind of crawl into a ball and not bother anybody rather than get singled out. And the, the, the people that get hurt the most from this, I truly believe are women. I believe women are amazing. They deserve to have strong men in their lives. But to be a strong man, uh, that definition is becoming more and more blurried, especially with some of the things that people are learning at a young age, aka, well, does that mean having a nice car? 
Does that mean having a nice house? Yeah, maybe that's a part of the package, but we are taught that that is the package, period. And I love that you guys are filling in the gaps uh, for people in just such a powerful way. So what I want to do in a moment here is touch on what you feel it means to be, um, you mentioned a better person. So what, like, what are some of those pillars? But before we dig into that, uh, what I'd like to talk about is you guys have mentioned your training a few times, and I'd love for you guys to unpack kind of what are some of the newer things that you guys are doing with your trainings, uh, both with the bootcamp model and with some of the uh, more corporate models that you guys are doing. What are some of the, the more recent epiphanies or breakthroughs that you're having that you're excited to share with people? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So let's, let's dig in. (laughs) You know, I I think in general, and it's kind of the same running theme that we talked about earlier that right now, the loudest voices on the internet, the most negative voices are keeping us from creating content. They're keeping us from approaching women. They're keeping us from doing the things that we want to do. And unfortunately the silent majority is not happy with what's being said is not the one criticizing a podcast is not the one saying the lighting on the video sucks is not the one saying you're too alpha or you're too masculine. Don't do that. But they're not speaking up. So we're hearing these, this cacophony of voices and it's becoming very confusing. And what's desperately lacking is the actual dialogue and communication. So what we're trying to do and the focus on the art of charm has always been lead yourself first by fixing your body language, by being more in tune with yourself, understanding, yeah, where the anxieties and the fear lies by actually going out and taking action, finding that boundary for yourself, and then seeking out the next step to get beyond that, to self-actualize. And this is for for men and women who are interested in, in this space, realizing that, yeah, crawling up into a ball and plugging your ears and hoping that things get better is not a sound strategy and certainly leads to a lot of depression and isolation. So simple is the new sexy. What we're talking about, the art of charm is not these new random, like inventive engineering social life. It's literally getting more in tune with ourselves, with the natural occurring processes in communication that have existed for centuries and how we connect as individuals. And we connect as individuals when we feel our emotions are validated, when we feel heard by someone else and we feel understood on an emotional level. And unfortunately, a lot of what's been taught around communication is the opposite. It's memorize this, do specifically that, don't specifically do this. And it's not listening to the subtle signals or the nuance that comes with communication. And, you know, talking about branding, the art of charm is an understanding that yes, there's science to communication, but there's also an art to it. You have to be able to read the audience, much like a conductor has to be able to listen to the cellos and the violins and pick up on the subtleties. It's not just do this, do that, do this, and you'll get from point A to point B. And unfortunately, a lot of people are looking for that. They're looking for the hacks, they're looking for the cheats, the shortcuts, but that's not life. That's not how we succeed. So what we've tried to do and, and what we're now continuing to do in building out our online community and our network is really give great content, give great coaching and support from our experience, and lastly, hold people accountable. And that accountability, whether it's through a buddy or whether it's paying someone or finding a mentor, that's also lacking because it's easy to plug your ears, crawl up in a ball and hope that tomorrow's better. But the people who are actually getting stuff out of life are the ones publishing the video, are the ones walking up and talking to that person, are the ones going to the networking events, are the ones getting in front of the boardroom and pitching their ideas. 
even if that fear of rejection is there. Uh, to add to that, <clears throat> with the technology we have, everyone's being pummeled with, with so much information that it makes it difficult to disseminate what is real and what isn't real. And uh, I mean, we're all being hit. Just our Facebook feed alone is enough to drive anybody to complete insanity. Now, upon that, what a lot of times for the young men that come in or, or even in corporate, I will hear something, a claim that is being made about how they feel about a situation. And, and of course, I have to ask, well, where, where did you get that? And why did you feel that way? And it, we, it's a series of questions of why for people to really understand that a lot of what they believe has no, there's, there's nothing behind it. It was an article that they had gotten fed from their buddy on Facebook or, or just something they heard from another a friend or their, their mom told them that it has its own wives tell. So, and, and it's these things that if you collect a lot of these, the chances that you have contradicting beliefs and a lot of cognitive dissonance is very high which on top of that makes you incredibly stressed out and, and which opens you up to uh, your immune system getting worn down and being then susceptible to depression. And when they realize this, that they've, a lot of their, ish, their own issues is because they're holding all these beliefs that are not allowing them to move forward. Well, all of a sudden it frees them up. And you mentioned earlier of, being captive of our own psychology that is that is the whole that's exactly what we're talking about here and i for everybody they need to start challenging all of their thoughts and 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 ask why and where did you get this and, and why do you believe it and you'd be very surprised i i mean one of the, we are the the art of charm programs themselves are steeped in in psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance commitment therapy. Those are the two main uh, therapies that is the most generally accepted uh, in, in those. The change behavior. The change behavior. Lasting change of behavior. And we're steeped in that. And cognitive behavioral therapy will certainly begin to help you start untangling belief structures that are not allowing you to move forward. In fact, if they're not helping you move forward, they're putting you in a position to be, to, to be held back. Amazing. So th this is fascinating because I think every person listening has had this uh, moment at some point in their lives where they're experiencing an emotion. It might be a little bit of anxiety. It might be uh, overwhelm. It might be just, just a little undertone of sadness. And they're not really sure where they're, where, that's, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? And they'll kind of they'll kind of push it down. I call it the buoy effect, where you've got you've got this ocean and you have this buoy and you kind of push it down and then whoop, it pops back up. And uh, we talk about this a lot, where something that you maybe suppress as frustration might come back up as anger. And so it tends to like transform itself into something different when you pop it down. And I love that you guys uh, break that down and hone in on it. Can you maybe expand a little bit more? You mentioned two behavioral change techniques that you guys use. Can you expand a little bit more on the process that you guys use so that people can really visualize going through one of your programs and experience kind of the change? Even if you wanna go ahead and use like a, a story, you know, without naming names obviously of a, a particular case. Well, the first thing that we have to understand is it, as a human being, how susceptible we are to 
the stimuli around us. Without that, you're, well, at least accepting that puts you in a position of, I can be better. And then also understanding how easily influenced you are, that you will have automatic responses to a lot of different stimuli. That, auto, that automatic emotional response has you moving and behaving in a certain manner. If it's not the behaviors that you want to be seeing, then we have to go back to that response and be able to override it. So first, exposure therapy. Uh, understanding how your body reacts to this certain stimuli. And then from there, once we start looking at the behaviors that that stimuli causes, looking at, okay, why do we believe that? Why do you think we behaved in that manner? What in our belief structures is making us move in that behavior? And now we can start asking ourselves, what is the behavior we'd like to see from this trigger? And start to do the work to program ourselves in moving into that direction. So let's, let's unpack that with a classic example that everyone can relate to. You're out, you, your buddy maybe went to the bathroom and your first instinct in that situation is to grab your phone. Your phone is your comfort zone. You can quickly dial up some dopamine on Instagram. You can look like you're important and busy and you can withdraw from the discomfort that is that venue, that networking event, that environment where there's stimuli that is causing you to feel whether it's a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear of the unknown. And that first response will be, okay, well, let me just grab my safety blanket, which is Instagram. It's Facebook. It's, oh, I know that I'm going to get this thing. And a lot of us have these habits built up and we don't even realize it. Like we literally are going about our day on these pre-programmed patterns that are running on autopilot. They're driving our decisions. And of course, they're now reinforcing our beliefs. So one of the first things that we'll do in our program is start to point out these little triggers that are happening in all of our clients. And, and we film them in class here. So the first interaction they're going to have, it's going to be on camera. The camera is going to show you what you do to retreat into your comfort zone, whether it's cross your arms, whether it's look down at the floor, whether it's scrunch your brow. Uh, and these are small, subtle signals that other people are now picking up on that discomfort and they're reacting again subconsciously to your own discomfort. And sometimes the, the, the smallest behaviors have such profound effects and you need to be aware of it. And the, <coughs> the video doesn't lie. So after unpacking that on the video, everyone has their own processes for handling discomfort that allows them to retreat into their comfort zone. Unfortunately, everything we want in life is outside of our comfort zone. Uh, there is nothing in your life that's going to be rewarding and drive happiness in your comfort zone. So we have to start looking at what are the triggers that lead us retreating back to our comfort zone. And if, if it's for you, if it's your phone, if it's, if it's for some people staring at the floor, if it's for other people going to dance, or for some people it's going to the bar and slamming a shot of tequila. We look for those triggers and then we start building in behaviors that are a replacement for that trigger. So that your first instinct is now not to grab your phone, but it's to make eye contact with someone, it's to cheer someone, it's to smile at them and start to pick up on other signals that'll reinforce the behaviors that you want, the behaviors of being social, the behaviors of actually meeting and connecting with people. And every single day of the week, we're building off of these triggers and layering the smallest of steps. And exposure therapy is not, oh, my fear of spiders means you're gonna put me in a fear factor situation covering me with a thousand spiders. 
it means I'm first going to show you a picture of a spider and you're going to sit there staring at the spider. And then the next session, I'm going to show you a video of a spider. The spider can't hurt you, but you're starting to get exposed to it. So you don't have as strong of a reaction. It's the same thing we do with socialization. It's not throw you in the deep end and go approach the most beautiful person or the most intimidating person at the networking event. It's, hey, start smiling at some people. Start cheersing the people around you who are easy for you to interact with. And you start building up some positive reinforcement. You start having some fun. You start realizing, wow, it's actually more fun to smile and chat with people than it is to be on Instagram. Who knew? And then all of a sudden, by the end of the week, you have created momentum in your life. Now, why this works so well, and we argue in our setting versus a clinical setting, is because you also have the reinforcement of the group. And you know, as guys, when we get in a group setting, there is a competitive side that takes over. So we are going to have this reinforcement of the group. You're going to see other guys having small wins. You're going to see some guys having huge wins. And you're going to feel powered. Hey, I got I to gotta step up my game. And that's really where the reinforcement of these behavioral changes that we're looking for socially happen in our week-long boot camp. I will also add to that, as, as well as the competitive component, there is the, the, also the component of you want to see the guy next to you who has all the same problems that you have succeed, do, do well. And so there is that, it is reinforced throughout the week. And even when the guys go out to have drinks and, and fill night, they're, they, they're all here for the same reason. And they want to work through it and they want the people next to them to work through it. And it all spirals. And before you know it, they've taken over the club that they went out to and they're all having fun. And, and they come back home on such a high that they were able to overcome their emotional response systems and then exhibit the behaviors that they want to exhibit. And and, and enjoy it and, and actually have fun with it. And every day that they go, and this is why the program, because it's, it's, it's long, it's just not a weekend, it's, it's five days. For them to continue doing this day, night after night and day after day, it's, they are on, they're on a high. They're, they can leave here feeling I'm in control of my behaviors. And the behaviors that pop up I want to get rid of, I now have a blueprint and how I'm going to handle that. I love it, man. It's, 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 it's massive because even as entrepreneurs, we have this self-perception of ourselves and we think it matches reality, but so often it actually doesn't at all. I, I call it like the kick me sign. It's like you're walking around with this big kick me sign and like nobody's telling you that you have a kick and you're getting your butt handed to you by life. And you're like, why is everyone like, why am I getting kicked here? And, and, uh, and, and, and your friends kind of shrug it off. They go, we don't know. Hey, so this is a great opportunity for, for like, you'd be able to come in and get feedback from experts and actually see if that reality of your own self-perception matches the external reality and to actually amp that up and dial it in. Uh, so short little call to action. I think it'd be great for uh, the guys that are listening. It's artofcharm.com slash bootcamp, right? If they want to check that out. Obviously, all the links will be in the description. I do want to unpack kind of the pillars of being a good person or being a good human in a sec, but are there some other uh, contact points where people can find out more about you, whether that's social, et cetera? Definitely. First and foremost, check out the podcast if you haven't already. 
We go deep into all of these social skills that we're talking about from networking, negotiation to the art of small talk will be dropping in January. So just understanding that we have a free resource where you can hear Johnny and I riff on these topics and bring in the, the latest science and studies so that we're building off of our knowledge base. In terms of getting coaching, we have very straightforward. The boot camp is a week-long stay here in LA. You actually stay with us in the house. So you're going through the experience with all of your classmates together, not retreating back to your hotel room to go back on your comfort zone and, and go back on your phone. And outside of that, we're launching the network in the new year as a way to get all this great content from us, continued coaching, live hot seats. Uh, and that is going to be launching the slash network next week. So if you want some coaching, you can't come out to LA. That's the best place to get some coaching from me, Johnny, and the rest of the crew here, as well as tap into this network. And I know as entrepreneurs, you could feel isolated. You could see your friends. They have this social group with their coworkers and you're trying to get up the hill. And sometimes it can be very lonely at different points climbing that hill. And what we're trying to do is create a network and a community of people who are working on self-actualization, who are understanding that their fears and their behaviors that they need to change and they want to improve their lives and the lives of others. And that leads us to our last point, which you said, well, what makes you a great person? What makes you a great individual? We call it a high value individual. We have a podcast specifically on it. You can look it up. It's uh, our high value episodes. And essentially it's, it's understanding as we've been saying over and over on this podcast that everything you want in life is through relationships with other people. And the best way to stimulate relationships with other people is to be cooperative instead of being transactional and looking for what can I get out of this person, it's instead looking for what can I give this person? How can I support this person? And we call that social capital. And, and there are really three types of social capital that we all have. Uh, the first is the people we know. So sharing, making introductions, welcoming people into your network, even if they're a stranger, hey, you're a web developer, I know a guy who's a copywriter who can help you with your website, making the introduction. So that's the first type of social capital. The second type of social capital is actually your knowledge. We all have knowledge from the experiences in life. And guess what? Your failures are also knowledge. I love hearing, hey, don't do this on YouTube. Hey, don't do this on a podcast. I know it doesn't work. And the last piece of social capital is emotional support. It's being there for others. It's, it's congratulating them when they're celebrating something. It's supporting them when they're frustrated or struggling with something. When you focus on those three areas and being generous in those three areas, you develop your social capital, you become a high value person, and naturally your network grows. Relationships are built and everything you want in life in terms of opportunities as an entrepreneur are there for you. Ah, man. Just deep breath, everybody that's listening. It's amazing. Thank you guys so much um, Thank for you hopping for on. Me. Man, there's, there's so much more to unpack, you know, that like I could, we could just keep going, um, but you guys will come back. Okay. Haha. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's, that's, that's called a promise folks. Uh, and, um, AJ, Johnny, thank you guys, uh, so freaking much as always, obviously all of the references, all of the links we will include, and, uh, we'll obviously send some stuff to you guys. If you were to, uh, to wrap with anything, you know, you got, you got some, some young hustlers that are listening. You guys have been doing this for a while. You're OGs. What's like a, a last, you know, if, if you had a little mini, mini you, a little mini version of you that, you know, you went back in time and you're like, you got to say like, that one thing that you, you, you've, you've got to run by, you know, you, you got to run by and you got to give them that piece of advice and then they're off to the races. 
Um, what would each of you have for the folks that are listening? Don't think too much. Just, just go. Just start doing. And I, I want to take a, a minute to just appreciate you because guess what? You're in the arena. You're already part of the 1%. When everyone else is willing to take a nine to five and everyone else is willing to have a boss and, and do whatever it is that society says, you're the one who's going the opposite direction and trying to make it on your own. So congratulations for, for being part of the 1% and recognizing that in yourself. It's not an easy choice to make, but it is an incredibly rewarding choice to be able to carve out that path for yourself. So it's a little bit of self-congratulations. I know a lot of entrepreneurs get beaten down. And I know there's a lot of frustrations <laughs> and a lot of self-doubt, um, but a little pick-me-up. I know, you know, looking back 13 years ago to myself, there's always been a lot of doubt and to, to be like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm doing something. I'm creating something and, and building a path to freedom that a lot of other people are afraid of uh, and wearing that as a little bit of a badge of honor. I love that. Create a grand vision. Hold yourself accountable. Don't take time to forget to take care of yourself. And as Johnny said, go, 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 get it. As always, this has been the Hustle System Podcast, where we unpack the patterns of success and failure for my favorite people on earth. This has been Johnny and AJ from The Art of Charm. Thank you, guys. It really is a revolution. We've never wavered. I believe we should strive to do things in his spirit. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourselves and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted.